Oh, you, um, you, you like my parody? What's that the parody of? Uh, a door. A door? I, I would have never known that. Oh, oh you didn't know? <laughs> you didn't know it was a parody? No. <laughs> I was like, what's that? You're like, okay, it's a door. Okay, wait. Come in from your job. I'll be there for you. <laughs> I'll throw the wind and rain. I need to protect you. <laughs> and no not outside. Use me for privacy. They bear rooms occupied. Just where you have to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. to another episode of Music and We. I am Jamila. And I'm Jester, also known as Jesse. Oh, I am Jesse, but, you know, go by Jester. Y'all know who I am if you've been here. <laughs> Jesse, also known as Jester, here live reporting with Jamila, Music and We. We got another podcast for you guys. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is, oh. Well, we passed the 10th episode, though, so we need to yes. have a 10th episode party. No, I'm just playing. When we get to episode <laughs> 100, maybe, we'll see. You know what? Okay, so we're going to plan to meet up at some point, and then, then we can have the, the party, the yes. show party. We'll have the show party. <laughs> and a quick shout-out to those who have followed our Instagram page. I've noticed a lot of new followers, so I'm not oh, sure if that necessarily indicates. Thank you, everybody. So we appreciate the following. Check us out, music underscore we JJ at Instagram. And I'm going to post more. We're still launching and making sure everything's okay. But it's nice that some people are listening to these because we aim for inspiring everybody and challenging and all of that, you know, comes with. Yes, because there's so many, so many podcasts about Prince and Michael Jackson. And yes, clearly we're adding to that. But hopefully we are putting a different perspective and asking different kinds of questions. And we definitely would love your input. What are some things like, oh, I've been thinking about this and I know y'all been talking about these particular perspectives. I have a question. What's the email, Jeffy? So the email is musicandwejj. Musicandwejj at gmail.com. That's where you can send. Musicandwejj at gmail. So you have at least two ways to get a hold of us. There's also... The Podbean app, you can get a hold of us and respond in that way as well. So there's at least three. And if you know us personally, just be like, what's up? I heard your episode. What's this thing about? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Today's dedication. Who are we dedicating the show to? We're dedicating this show to Donnie Hathaway, the soul brother who I'm very inspired by. I love his voice. I love, I just appreciate his voice and his life. You know, he battled a lot of personal struggles, but he managed to just leave such a legacy. He was one of the first that was very, I mean, we witnessed his mental decline over the last few years of his life. And of course he ended it tragically through suicide, but 
that's there's just so much to his story that I don't think a lot of people consider. And when you listen to his voice and you hear how he translated, he was just an instrument, a very wonderful one at that. Him and Roberta Flack are my two. That's that's all you need right there. You know, so <laughs> and then you I even. Knew you loved. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> He's one of my favorite vocalists of all times, but I, I can't listen to him because he makes me cry. Yeah, it's like, what's you got to be on? careful with him. Some of his yeah. songs can really, you know, get to you. Like he, I love you more than you ever know. That hit me not long ago mm-hmm. too, and that, that was that was really hard to listen to, for whatever reason. This one particular day, I listened to it. It's like, ah. you know. <laughs> but he's such a great composer, piano player, and yeah. just artist, you know. And of course, people just associate him to some of the hits like you got the ghetto. I was listening to that not long ago. <laughs> yeah. I I love the fact that he's able to translate many different languages into his art. So he was classically trained, so he put a lot of classical notations and even yeah. on his final album he was talking about the classical influence, but he also understood the material conditions of African people, particularly in the U.S., and spoke to those issues. So the ghetto was one issue. And then, uh, again, on his last time, he had the slums. So there were so many languages he spoke musically. And then you have the album he did with Roberta Flack. For all we know, their version of that makes me cry. (laughs) There have been quite a few versions of that, but that version makes me cry. And then there's Little Ghetto Boy, the live version at the bitter end is the one a lot of people know, but there's the Comeback Charleston Blue soundtrack, which he worked on with Quincy Jones. And Quincy Jones actually was asked to do the soundtrack. He said, well, no, I want to put Donny Hathaway on to do the soundtrack. It was excellent. Little Ghetto Boy. I definitely love the, the live version. It had something to it. But the version of on Comeback Charleston Blue was excellent. And I don't know if you know, people streaming things these days, I don't know if it's on any streaming services. I'm sure it is. I have it on vinyl, so I don't, I, it, I don't know the situation in terms of how music, Donny Hathaway's music is distributed in this day and age. But if you can find a copy or a streaming of Comeback Charleston Blue, I'm recommending that. Donny Hathaway sure. was excellent. Ashe. Ashe. Donny Hathaway. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Little ghetto boy. Yeah. Cleaning the ghetto streets. <laughs> oh, wow. Today's episode, <laughs> on that note, we're talking about parodies and covers. This is going to be another hard one. I think in terms of the parodies, Michael's going to get more coverage on this one. And in terms of the covers, Prince is going to get more coverage on that. Yeah. I think people parodied Michael way more than they did Prince. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Michael sure. was comedic fodder for many years, probably. For many up years. Probably up to his mind. Yeah, yeah, passing. Wow. Yeah. And Prince, and you know, yeah, he got Prince, some of that. But. He got, yeah, but he was a type to be suing you if you parodied him. Exactly. <laughs> You do something without his acknowledgement. It's like, nope, I will not be played. 
anyone who plays me plays themselves. <laughs> Which is why I wonder how they got to parody him on In Living Color. And how did he not do that? He probably thought that was song. funny. Is that with Eddie Griffin? No. This was uh, Jamie Foxx did, usually did the press oh, yeah, parodies. Jamie, yeah, that's true, Jamie Foxx. Well, he so liked Jamie Foxx. It's, well, here's the oh, thing did he? with okay. Prince. Prince, if he liked you, it was cool. Same with <laughs> Dave Chappelle. Same with Chris Rock. You know, there were certain men who right. it was like, you know what? That's that's funny. And Jamie Foxx had Jamie Foxx is actually talented. He could sing. I mean, mm-hmm. remember, Prince gave him the award for Ray. You know, he was the one to announce that. And oh, really? Uh, yeah. And that was, of course, Jamie Foxx's. Uh, wasn't that an Emmy? What do you got for that? I think uh, he won an Oscar for that. Yeah, an Oscar. He won an Oscar for that. So Wait, Prince yeah. presented that to him? Yeah, he did. Because he knew he would win. What's the one when Holly Berry presented to Prince? What was that? Golden Globes? That was the Golden Globes, I think. I always forget these ones. We didn't get the blue, but yeah. it was something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he presented that to Jamie Foxx. Yeah. So he respected, if he respected you, he didn't have a problem, I don't think, so much with how you portrayed him. But if you were coming from a place of, like, we're the L, you know. And we're the L, I actually like, what was it, Eat It? <laughs> just I eat actually it. like Weird Al Yankovic. I'm just going to come on and say it. I saw him live. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. I've heard that. I, I'm gonna I have a good friend of mine who says that his shows are amazing. So I don't doubt that he's pretty are. cool. The band, they play the music, so they don't sample. They actually study the right. song that they're parroting, and they do note for note, usually. Even the original songs he did, like, people think he just does parodies, but he does a whole bunch of original songs, Good. and he has the same band he's had since 1982. It's like Sade, like the same band. Yeah. <laughs> and how often do you get that? The shows are painstakingly crafted and and so he has all the costumes and the lighting everything is painstakingly crafted to create this experience call me weird but i actually do oh that's nice to know and that's what i think a lot of people see in him it's not just for the joke comedy aspect i mean he's obviously has a way of bringing to light without it being corny right I remember him being in an interview on Arsenio Hall's show. This was around the time he had the movie UHF, which was a terrible movie, by the way. And I think he knew that. <laughs> but he said, <laughs> he talked about how either he or other people thought Weird Al was a brother. Because he did some stuff. <laughs> they were like, Because huh? he had the curly hair, so everyone thought he was mixed. And I actually thought he was mixed, too, when I saw Fat. This is the 80s, so I'm like, who is this guy? And even though I knew he did, uh, was it, uh, Hey Ricky, uh, Like a Surgeon, like, I already knew. But for some reason, I I thought maybe he was passing. And then when I saw the Fat video, I thought, oh, he actually does look mixed. And then it was... (laughs) It wasn't so late. I was like, oh, he's actually a white dude. Okay. Yeah. He always looked white to me. I ain't never had no doubt. I thought, I thought he was I thought he was mixed. Uh, yeah, it could be the hair. <laughs> it's the hair. Yeah. So, uh, and he always had that hair. It wasn't like Bob Ross. 
where right. Bob Ross like mistakenly permed his hair and was like, oh, I have a fro. People like it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> like, Weird Al Yankovic always had that curly hair. So I really did think he was of mixed ethnicity. <laughs> I don't know how often he was told that, but the funny thing about it, he's so white. Weird Al Yankovic is so white, but is liked by so many people. He's one of those people that has escaped being like, oh, only white people like him or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like uh, Kenny Loggins. It's like yeah, I was about to say it's like Donald. Kenny Loggins. Mm-hmm. Like Kenny Loggins is so white. He is so white, but somehow gets played on adult contemporary stations, and he has been popular on R&B radio. It's just weird how some people can find that energy and that fate. <laughs> to, to, to be liked by so many types of people. And yeah. Kenny Loggins and Weird Al Yankovic is the two I think of off the top of my head. And I guess, I'm not going to say Michael McDonald because like, <laughs> we already know. I'm trying to think of another person. Yeah, there's there's a few people like that. But Kenny Loggins and uh, Weird Al Yankovic are the two off the top of my head. It's well, they're so- talented, so that speaks for itself. <laughs> but then... then but uh, Kenny Loggins and all these other people, which we used to love, they, they get now, what is it, Yacht Rock. It's like, what? <laughs> that wasn't Yacht Rock to us. That was just the jam. I keep forgetting it was not Yacht Rock. That was the jam. So I don't get how we loved all that music and then it got reappropriated and, and white people were like, oh, Yacht Rock. I'm like, nah, that's the jam. Like, don't be taken in calling it Yacht Rock. Get out of here. <laughs> 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 and that came out of a parody. They were like, "Oh yeah, we love the smooth music, yacht rock." They're like, "No, it, no, it's a jam. Like, get out of here with that." But I think when right. Jamie Fox, he did the first Prince parody I saw in *Living Color*. It was when Prince had the um his butt out. <laughs> right. And so they had the this fake commercial where it was. David Allen Greer, and I can't remember who else. They said, well, yeah, when I want to get down with my lady, I put on some Luther Vandross. And that's why I don't like, did Prince actually respond to this? Because they had Prince having affairs with Morris Day. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, because he said, oh, you know, when I'm on my day off, I pour a Hot oil all over Sheila E. Or was that Morris? <laughs> like, I'm oh, like, wait, wow. wait a minute. They, they let, they, Prince let them get away with that? <laughs> I don't know if he saw that. Well, he probably did see it. He, I guess he, he better be glad that was been, before that. Well, that had to have been the first or second season. Or at the very, wow. at the very most, third season. So I, I'm sure Prince heard about it, but was done. They had a lot of jokes then, implying things back then, especially around that time with him. Right. And any artist like And there was a, a <laughs> there was another one that Jamie Foxx did. It was uh, a knockoff of uh, My Name is Prince. And they had this whole thing making fun of his height. I'm just curious about how Prince let them get away with that and how they were able to air that. <laughs> because Prince was notorious for being like, you can't air that. You better take that off. So I'm I'm curious how they were quote allowed to air those kind of parodies about Prince and even the one about Michael, the several ones they had about Michael and the Jacksons on the Living Color. Like they did not necessarily put the Jacksons in a good light. <laughs> so 
the one I remember the most was the Am I Black or White? Because they, the Lemon Color, they were notorious for doing the music parodies. And for the most part, they were pretty brilliant. But they, the Jacksons parodies were pretty mean. <laughs> and yet at the same time, funny is we because they told some truths in it. So the Black, Am I Black or White one, have you seen that one? Yes, I have seen it. You see? So they had a, and I remember the whole song. I remembered it from the first time I saw it. So it was aired first in 1992, I think. And I'm like, how did they, how did they air this? I, wow. It was like, I'm still a virgin and I'm 33. Even Madonna won't have said to me, I play with little animals and hang out with Macaulay all night. I'm like, Okay, wow. Yeah. See, How well, were they that, airing see, I don't remember that. I don't, I mean, right. obviously I wasn't around to experience it, but I imagine that being incredibly offensive, Michael saying that. That's, I was like, how did they get away with that? Because I remember it when it was first aired and I remember, for some reason, there's some things I watch and just remember the whole thing from the time I watch it. And that was one of them. But the very end, here's where the brilliant part comes in. They had, and Tommy Davidson played Michael Jackson. <laughs> and but then you had David Allen Greer. He's always playing Joe Jackson. They had David Allen Greer when Michael had the fro and everything. He's like, is that black or white? And then he gets progressively lighter. And then there's a, a Tommy Davidson playing Michael Jackson. So he's doing the whole dance sequence and smashing everything up. And then the police comes by. He's like, oh, you're under arrest. And he says, Oh, well, I guess I am black. And that that punchline was the reason why that clip was brilliant. Like the rest of it was like, ooh, that's kind of mean spirited. Right, but, but that the punchline right saved it. Mm-hmm. Yes, the punchline was what made the whole thing brilliant. You could forgive the rest of it because that punchline was so brilliant. And I was like, wow, like, that's excellent writing. It really was. Besides the fact that the parody was mean. Just that punchline, like, that's perfect. I don't know if, you know, Michael's like, well, people make fun of me, let him do it. Or was he like, no, I don't want that. I don't know what his relationship with Keenan Ivory Wayans was. I I don't know any of that. But they also made fun of Arsenio. And I know that Keenan Ivory Wayans and Arsenio had their moments too. But then they also made fun of Oprah Winfrey, and then uh, Kim Wayans apologized for that on the Oprah Winfrey show. So I'm just wondering what their relationship with people in terms of parodies were for the most part, uh, particularly with people like Michael, who consistently got made fun of on that show. And then they kind of did stuff in later years. They had, uh, was it Lock You in the Closet, which was supposed to be in the closet, but it was Joe Jackson and Latoya. So it was like, something about you, Latoya, that make me want to strangle you. Something like that. And I was like, wow, okay. So Joe Jackson was always abusive. And it's funny because people deny that. But they talked about how he was abusive on A Living Color and in an other medium. So this had to have been something consistent. Uh-huh. They always had the Jackson's parodies where Joe Jackson was abusive. Latoya was like, <laughs> and then they had Michael who's like mm. so I, I'm just really curious about what Michael's response to that was I, I've never seen anything about whether or not he had a response I'm sure there's something there but I have never seen it 
what what other Michael Jackson parodies can you think of? Oh, there were so many. There were so many. I mean, any late night host had some kind of thing to say, even if it wasn't a drawn out sketch. They had some joke that they would always reference as seemed. And then magazines. I can see why that really pissed off Michael after some time, because at some point it became just ruthless and it didn't have, you know, it didn't have a pun. It was just to be mean and insulting. But I guess they were just reacting out of how eccentric sometimes Michael would get himself into situations or even things he didn't really invite. They would look in suspicion like, you know, I was just looking at the. Uh, clip when he showed up to the courthouse with his pajamas and uh, I mean basically not the pajamas I mean he had a blazer on but he had his pajamas on <laughs> for his bottoms but it was enough to make people like just really freak out about that it was just like oh why would he do that or why are the surgical mask he um made himself sometimes when he would interact with a society he would use how he looked as a way to navigate, and people always found that just weird, I think. Right. Um, but I can't think of a specific parody outside of, well, I remember, and I'm sure you probably remember this now, this is actually, when I first heard this, I was so sad. It was when he was prank called. Remember oh, that? Oh, vaguely, yeah. Yeah. And do, he, do you remember he, who did the call? I don't, I'm gonna check right now, but I remember, after he realized he was prank called, he changed his voice. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, you thought you was talking to Michael, see? He said, uh, it says Ralphage. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 And yeah, so that wasn't nice because, again, they kind of aired a man. They were talking about these things he wanted to do. And it was like, oh, and they said something, that you know, alleging something with the molestation thing. And he's like. Oh, you thought you were talking to Michael or whatever. It was just a setup, and it wasn't funny. And again, so I've always kind of been suspect of that when it came to like parodies against Michael, because I think on one hand, if you're having a pun, if you're like, ah, you know, there's something else. Oh, I guess it's Scream or Scary Movie. Remember in one of the scenes? I've never seen any of those. Okay. Well, I used to. Well, in one of the scenes, it was a big scene because Michael, it's like, it's a long scene from what I remember. But he kind of comes through and he's like, hee hee, and he has like a red shirt on. But they make him like creepy. Oh, and here's the biggest, uh, the latest parody, I'm not sure if you've seen this, was on Atlanta. Have you seen Atlanta with Donald Glover? The show he I've created? I've seen the FX? first season, that's it. Okay, well, the they second season. They did a parody season, of Michael Jackson? Yes, and it was huge. Now, this is, you have to watch this now. And if you haven't seen this, guys, you guys, you would have to check it out for the full context because I watched this like I was very disappointed. But then on another angle, it was interesting in what he was trying to convey because there wasn't I mean, a lot of it. I'm not going to spoil it for you. It's something you definitely have to see. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah, because I, it's been so long. Oh, not so long, but I only saw it once. But I just remember being completely annoyed with it originally because the parallel they were making is that, you know, Michael, of course, was abused by his father and so the way he interacted with like he he basically was going under bob hope or he made like he had a lot of makeup on 
and he it's just so and then there's a shooting at the end it's a lot of like weird um parallels that they're trying to draw out but i think it kind of lost its original intent because again they made michael just this shy they always people just saw michael as this close and i guess he did present that but i think he was more direct than people like to imagine but yeah. in this parody they made him almost like this he, you know, this funny kitty kind of character who just wanted to show people that he knew other famous people. And uh, yeah, you would have to see it. But again, I'm kind of I feel some kind of way when I see Michael, even when I hear Michael joke, because I, I look at Michael just in the collection of his experiences. And I had an experience not long ago watching a video with Michael Jackson in it as actually the Madison Square Garden show. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was watching it with this friend and she just made it a point to be like, oh, I just wish he didn't do that with his face. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, why would you say that? I mean, I just I was really wanting to know what made her say it. And she's like, oh, it's just a shame how and you're talking about the plastic surgery and everything. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, Michael had body dysmorphia and Michael didn't like how he looked. I think on one angle, obviously, he wanted to he was also told awful things as a kid from his father mm-hmm. and trying to compensate for what's not there he was a perfectionist he had bad surgeons at that they did a bad job yeah and you know i think i mean and then at some point michael didn't even have mirrors in his house so i don't think it's okay to and then on another angle it's like why do you care so much about mm-hmm. what he's doing to his face because you do the same stuff with filters. I'm not speaking of the person in particular, but that general art. So for someone who might make mention of it, I've even had to check myself with it when it comes to people you know, having surgery or whatever. It's like, I am not aware of what could create. It may, hey, it might be self-hate, but what is, how is that my problem? Or why is it even a problem? You know, people are, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's so many psychological nuances, I think. And I don't think it's fair to just brush off someone. Oh, they had surgery. It's like, yeah, but who cares? It doesn't really have anything to do with you, does it? How are you going to treat people? And Michael, again, being a victim and just having all these different experiences he had, navigating with how he looked, his disease, having lupus too. He was Mm -hmm. fragile. There's a lot of things going on with him. And I think people just saw, I think what made Michael an easy target. Obviously, he was just the successful person, the most successful human being and by a long shot in terms of the entertainment industry. But he he was caged. And so when he would interact, there were things about the interaction that would be funny or weirdly, you know, satisfying to see, you know, like, again, the animal being friendly with animals, being soft spoken, not giving off just this, you know, holding my crouch all the time masculine mike tyson type of energy you know he didn't give <laughs> off that that vibe he was just more so a kind person he was soft-spoken but yet you can see he was a student he 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 didn't mind sharing his interest in a way that some people found it too kitty but he was passionate you know he he really lit up about the things he enjoyed to talk about and loved because he was a student he he put a lot of time in his craft so when you contrast that with someone like Prince, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Prince is this dude that's like, I'm about my business. I'm about my paper. I'm going to give you what I want you to see. And if you question it, it ain't funny because you're not listening. 
because this is what I'm saying. But if you did it in a way, because there's another parody of him with Eddie Griffin. This is what I mentioned earlier. Have you seen that one? Where uh, Prince, he had the year. Or Prince or Michael. Prince. Performing. He has, Eddie Griffin is Prince. He has his yellow suit on. He has a lot of makeup, like a light, lighter makeup on. And he's playing guitar. Oh, and, I have seen that because yes. it was, I think it was the show Malcolm and Eddie. Yeah, I believe and, it was Malcolm and, and Eddie. Yep. Yeah, there was Prince was supposed to be there, but something happened, and Eddie Griffin ended up performing as Prince. And it was like Prince, uh-huh. Prince, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, um, and usually that's how they do it. And I watched recently also. Obviously, the the best, or I should say, the most classy example is Dave Chappelle with <laughs> yeah. the pancakes. That's yeah. the one that everyone goes to, and that's a yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I think that's, I watched that one recently, and it's funny just seeing how <laughs> Prince thought that was funny, because it happened, and, you know, he was yes. just that type of person. He didn't, again, if you called him out, there's also a story of um, Bonnie, who was one of his singers, you know, the first new power generation singer, so to speak. Wait, Donnie? Bonnie. Oh, Bonnie. Bonnie, I thought you said that. I was like... What? Yeah, Bonnie Boyer. Bonnie Boyer, yeah. No, I thought you were talking about Donnie. I don't know if you've ever heard Donnie. He's excellent. And I was like, he was part of MPG too? No, well, okay. no, no, okay. no, no, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, no. I should have said the last name. Bonnie Boyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, uh, I don't know if I read this. I read this in a cutout somewhere where she dog prints about. He's like, look at you coming on, you know, coming on stage, look like you're from Sesame Street. Because they had a lot of, you know, with the Alphabet Street. Uh, oh, <laughs> was, she said something like that, and you know, she said he, you know, he wasn't in the mood to be joking, so he didn't like that, and he said something, you know, off-putting, and she said something back to him that made him laugh. Like she, she got him, she upped him on his game. She had another mm-hmm. joke that was funnier, and then yeah. it just kind of made him, you know, mellow out. Nice. So I don't, I don't think he was just this person. Like you can't criticize me, you can't say anything. It was always just about. How are you going about it? Like, if you're laughing with it, if you're doing it to just kind of make me see myself in a funny way, because he had to know, even like with the MTV, when, you know, assless pants, that's something that people are like, huh? What? What you doing, man? How you going to get on stage with, you know, you don't have, like, of course, you know, and it's just, and I think he did it because he wanted people to be like, yeah, I'm going to have them talk about me. So y'all want something to talk about. Here it is. Talk about this. And it's, and it wasn't even like it was bare. I mean, he had a sheer yeah, covering over but, but it was still. I know, no, no, no. I'm not justifying <laughs> it or nothing. I'm not justifying it or invalidating it. I'm just saying it was obviously, because I remember when I first saw it, and I can't even imagine seeing it when it first came out. I, wow, it must have been. I yeah. saw it when it first came out. And... Right. I bet it was like, whoa. I mean, but even me seeing it, like what? I saw it for the first time, like 2010, or I guess when I started really going back in this older stuff, I was like, whoa, what the hell? Because <laughs> it looked like a giant, I can't even remember what song they were doing. Was it Get Off? Get I, Off. Honestly, That's what so it was. So it was Get Off? It's Get Off, yeah. So it looked like a giant orgy on stage, first of yeah, all. And then exactly. he turns around and it's like, what? Whoa. <laughs> I think I just started rolling when I saw it. I mean, <laughs> first reaction. <laughs> like, what is going on? I saw it. See, I look at 
because I, I love the power of perception and, you know, tricking people and seeing how you can get a reaction out of different people based on what you do. And Prince knew that that would, that would yeah. accomplish that because it's such a, you know, wow. Like, he's not going to show you his penis, but he can right. show you what everyone has. So he show you his ass, you know? <laughs> and it's like, oh, but you're a man. And you're right. looking, you know, and it's and then and then on top of that, like you said, there's an orgy going on. And then when it starts off, you know, he has, I believe, is it some one of the dancers on is like on top of him, and he's, ah, ah, you know, <laughs> it's it's just it's like wow, it's a lot of imagery going on that would make I guess someone really parry. You could definitely look back at that and like, oh yeah, we got to talk about this. You, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the. The, the funny thing about Prince, because he was already known for being kind of raunchy. So mm-hmm. what happened there should not have been a surprise. It should have never been a surprise, exactly. Ever. <laughs> it was a long period in between the Speedos and right. the Pants. So yeah. people were not expecting it. Because it was actually he, a decade. A right. A decade. Because right. he stopped wearing that. Exactly. See, like controversy. Dirty Mind was the last time he did it. Well, controversy, rather. Exactly. So, like, well, not really, because if you look at the Purple Rain show, you know, uh, Possessed, mm-hmm. he has like asses pants. That was the first time I believe I saw it. I saw that. That's first. true. He did. That's and true. And it looked, yeah. And I remember I was like, whoa. And just like, and he's doing the same. And then Parade. I mean, he didn't have pants, but he still like was doing a lot of the same kind of moving and gyrating, and but it was but yeah in the '90s, you know, this is the '91, this is Get Off. It's, it, I, I can imagine just like whoa, there it is. Right, that was that was the collective response. Yeah, and that was the last time he did something like that. I would yes. say <laughs> he never attempted to shock you, and then after he became more reserved, more reserved. He started wearing suits. Yeah, I like the 2004 period, 2004 to 2007. He had the suits where one was longer than the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had the suits. Like yeah. like he had some, he had some dope suits though. Just <laughs> yeah, he had, and then he had the, the pixie haircut. And my favorite is gonna be the um, what period is that? The Raven to the Fantastic. Yes, thank you. Yes. I was yeah. just watching that because they put that whole thing on YouTube. I don't know how long it's going to be had there. The, the one, where was that? Where he had the white outfit, the white bow-bottom pants, and then the the sweater was a long So that sweater. was in Spain. Yeah, that was in Spain. When oh, you did that, that, that special. Motherless I, Child. Yes, that is in my top three favorite Prince looks. Seriously. <laughs> in the top three. He, yeah, he looked cool. He looked he looked really so comfortable. I mean, yes. the sweater looked like it was hand stitched by some of the natives oh, there or something. Beautiful. And then you know, the white pants and the hat. The makeup was on point too. Everything. I was like, okay, you go. Pre-. That is in my top three of favorite <laughs> Prince looks. And that yeah. I don't even see people talking about that look too much, but that is in my favorites. And I think the thing with talking about the whole get off and the assless pants and then the Dave Chappelle parody, which I guess it technically wasn't a parody because it was based on something that actually happened. The fact that Prince could dispel any myths about masculinity 
that you could beat somebody in basketball and still wear some heels. And Charlie Murphy was definitely displaying some toxic masculinity. And right, the fact exactly. that yeah. sort of knocked away any expectations of what a man should be. I think that was one of the most brilliant aspects of that clip. Because yeah. Charlie Murphy was like, oh, Blue Houses? Oh, what, you going to win a game? And right, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"What's> <laughs> <up?"> yeah. <laughs> so and then and the fact that Prince enjoyed that and used the picture of Dave Chappelle as Prince on the right. breakfast can, breakfast wait, can wait. that is the highest form of flattery. Yeah, from Prince yeah. coming so from Prince. Prince, that is literally <laughs> the highest. I know form. that's the thing. It's cool because he would never. If he didn't like it, it wouldn't be out there. Right. I remember they said the Simpsons were supposed to do something with him, but he backed out of it or something. I know they did with Michael Jackson. Yeah, they, yeah. But Prince, again, he he didn't... If you're going to make fun of something, you have to do it in a clever way. It has to be... I mean, because he, in a lot of ways, he knew that. If you go on his Instagram, actually, you can see if you scroll way back when he was on it, obviously, he... He shared a clip of uh, LeBron James. There was some party where he was act. He dressed like Prince, and he shared that he was doing Purple Rain or something, and he called it King James, <laughs> Purple Rain <laughs> by King James or something. Oh like, no! Yeah. So like he open you your Bibles. It, right, open your Bibles. Exactly. That's King probably James. why he put it. Right. He's very. He don't mind. He doesn't mind that if it's a funny. You know, like, and because he did things, he would, he, he had that flair about him that was easily something you could say, oh, that's, that's a Prince thing, or that's totally Prince. He would, he would repeat some things when he would be on stage. Like his favorite thing was, I got too many hits. Speaking of parodies or jokes, what do you think of? How do you pronounce the name, Jacquees? Because Jacquees, I don't think anybody should be king of anything. And even right. Keith Sweat, when he was exposing right. Jeff Lee, he said, you know, when I was coming up, you didn't see Luther Vandross, you didn't see Teddy Pendergrass, you didn't right. see That's that anybody talk about I'm the king of R&B. Mm-hmm. No. I just think so much of that is parody. When Michael left, all these people were scrambling to be the king. Yeah. <laughs> the king has left his post, now we're all scrambling for that position and then when prince was gone i think things got progressively worse in terms of popular music yes there are still going to be great pieces of music out there but with popular music you just don't see that energy and i think the music industry was so happy to be like okay we got them finally both of them are gone now we can manipulate artists even more i really Mm, think that's that's what they were thinking because when Prince Prince would actually counsel young artists, be like, you know, you need your publishing, yeah, you need yeah. to take control of your artistic integrity. He was counseling people. Yeah. And now Prince is not there. And even newer artists are coming up that don't have that counsel. Yeah. And they have Cardi B and Nicki Minaj and all these people who have major egos to look to. Yeah. So it, I and really that's, think... That's interesting seeing how the culture fascinates itself around that. And how they look at that as a justification or even a signature to success is to be cocky or to be confident. And it's nothing being nothing wrong with being confident. But 
I think a lot of artists now they think so. Jaquees, he's going around saying, "Oh, I'm the king." Oh, he was he was he was the king back then, but I'm, I'm the king now. This right. dude, first of all, I had never heard of him till then, and I'm not even the lot like I I know Keith Sweat because you know obviously I've listened to his music, but I I wouldn't even be able to say I'm a huge fan per se, but I do know at least six songs. you know and and they're good and i can appreciate his register and i mean because of this recent event i was able to listen back to some of his oh yeah he's good he's smooth you know (laughs) and and then you when you see him you can see this dude i mean this dude got a turtleneck on he got a chain he fit he's smooth man he getting his money he even said he's like man he's like i don't know what this young is saying but i got my bag like he can tour and get you know he's paid he gets paid He said you yes. can sell out shows. Now Jaquees, I heard you know he did a he did a cover of Dirty Diana. No, don't tell what? I'm I'm not kidding. Is it Dirty Diana? It's it's either Dirty Diana, it's it's a Michael Jackson no. song. No, no. I, no. I swear no. it is. I heard no, a couple. He did not. I, no, he did let not. Let me make sure. No, he did not. Didn't we just go through this conversation with the weekend? Don't do this to me, Jesse. I know, I know, I know. I should never say nothing. Don't do this to me. <laughs> Don't do this to me now. Let me tell Don't you. T- tell, tell me that's a joke. It's not a joke because I heard the clip of it. I heard at oh. least 10 seconds of it before I turned it off. The- Dirty Diana. I ain't lying. That's what he no. did. No. No. <laughs> no, he did not. See, I should have never dropped this on you. I don't know why I did it. Don't- but listen, it was enough for me to be like, man, get out of here. And on top of that, he hasn't done anything. Of He doesn't even have an album. So if you're gonna call yourself a king, well, again, I don't, I'm the same way with this whole terminology of king and I'm the, all of this. But at least have a palette. You need a dictionary. You need some words. You need some. You need something. You have nothing besides your look, your smile, your hair, your your slightly memorable 15 seconds of a song that we heard at the mall that one time when we were trying to get something. That's it. He's not worthy to even put himself in the same sentence. So what a lot of dudes need to do, like he played himself because from what Keith Sweat, you know, I saw him apologize. He's like, oh, I, I was I thought that you were calling yourself. Even if he did call himself a king, it would be more understood than someone who doesn't have anything. <laughs> like Keith Sweat could actually say, well, you know, I've done good for my I've done well for myself. And he has because there's not a lot of people in the 90s who can still sell out from old stuff that they've been doing right and even some of the new stuff but yeah so it's just kind of i thought when i saw that him this culture you know you mentioned cardi b and Nicki minaj or even i could think of the migos or what's his name uh look i'm snapping i'm really thinking you can tell you hear the snaps <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh kodak kodak black yeah he i saw an interview with him and he he's like yeah i'm the just the way he is this this whole uh mindset that you're the like you the greatest you this i'm this i'm that it's like where is the evidence and the evidence right. can't be measured in how many chains you got how many cards you got how much money you make and that's not evident because that's fleeting right. and that's the stuff that won't be here in another five or ten years especially when the economy tanks and especially <laughs> when you're just not relevant to the industry Who's exploiting you because you have become old and you're not relevant to your target market. 
they're looking at it. They're they're being exploited. And they don't even see that. They think, oh, yeah, I, I got five, six cars. I got diamonds on my wrist. They OK, what's going to happen in another five years when we find someone who got something a little bit better? That's better marketable. It can right. be marketed better. It can sell it faster. You just got old. <laughs> Irrelevant over the course of a year. <laughs> you know, so like. <laughs> So like, let's not look at it like I'm the. You just if you're really in it for the music, then keep doing your thing. Because most of the people who write who there right now will not be there in another year or two. They just right. Won't. Well, there's a couple of points that even with the term king, the funny thing about that is that the fans actually declare people kings and queens. Some of these people don't even declare that themselves unless they have mm-hmm. an ego. So for instance, you have Run DMC. I'm the king of rock. But then they said, ultimately, God is the king. You know, I'm the king. But so they, they made music like that. And then you had El Okuje, people who had egos, but they had the skills to back it up. And then right. same with Michael Jackson. You know, people say, oh, king of pop. But he had the skills to back it up. I personally don't like the word king, but they had the skills to back it up to be like, OK, I'm the king. But now yeah. you have a dude who says, I've been out two years. I'm the king of R&B. That doesn't make sense. That's that delusional. No it's delusional. It's delusional to say that you're the king if you haven't even been around to cultivate your own palace. How and are you even, a king if you don't even have, like, the resources to fund your own thing? And, like, <laughs> come on, man. Don't get distracted it, by this advance you got. This right. advance is an illusion. This advance is credit. And if you don't pay it back, you are screwed. For I real. I saw um, Bobby Brown. I didn't see the interview, but apparently Bobby Brown said, I don't know who Jack Reese is. And yeah, wasn't uh, Whitney Houston said he was the king of R&B, so you got to say Bobby Brown, thing. the king of R&B. <laughs> but even with comedy. Even Bobby Brown is more can have more to say that because he right. actually has a successful album. He did changed the game in a lot of ways when it came to New Jack Swing and just his personality type, all of that did. That was, he definitely had something. I mean, completely. He was looked right. at as like, I mean, so, but Jaque- like, you don't even have a hit. You have to have a hit first, right? A hit. He did, he did the rendition of Candy Rain. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, he did that I'm too. Done. I didn't even listen I'm to that. After done. I heard Dirty Diane, I'm like, I ain't even listening. No, to that don't, t- don't even. I, I don't believe you, and I refuse I to believe you. I am telling you. I refuse to believe you, Jesse. Don't be mad to me, Jesse. He did not do Dirty Diana. <laughs> he did no, Dirty Diana. Even so, the Kings of Comedy. They had the Kings of Comedy, right? And who was on there? It was like Bernie Mac and uh, Dio Huey. I can't remember who else. <laughs> And then they had the Queens of Comedy. But you had people had to come up. People like Richard Pryor, Paul yes. Lee, who wrote yes. everything. People who came up the and thing. did the work. People don't realize you had to work for this and not only work for it, you had to say, all right, I'm going to do it again, even if everybody booed me. I'm going to go back in the studio. Let me write some more jokes. Let me, let me really discipline myself because this is how bad I want it. And they weren't getting advances and incentives either. A lot of them were living with other people. They just They just stuck with it. And that's that's yeah. admirable in contrast to someone who might have a slither of something and the, the industry say, oh, well, here's three hundred thousand dollars or here's two million dollars and we're going to surround you with this. <laughs> but then, you know, you're expected to pay that or you just sign a 360 deal. You have to perform for the rest mm-hmm. of your life and still might not get, 
because you got to pay lawyers, especially if you into right. you living a reckless lifestyle, you're doing all kind of madness, and you're, you're just like, you're just. I don't see how anyone can go out with that kind of delusional arrogance. I would say to consider yourself <laughs> anything without you know having done nothing. Like really, you're like not doing anything and then calling yourself there. Or even if you do something, because there's there's some people who are they might do something, but still it's like. It hasn't been enough time for you to to think you even done something. Who knows what this will right. look like in another year? The funny thing is with Chris Tucker, when he was on Def Comedy Jam, he did that whole skit with Michael Jackson and Tito. Slow down, Tito, man. <laughs> was... Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the skit when Michael Jackson was like, I got to find this guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was, it, the skit was pretty just like, ooh, that's kind of, ooh. But how he did it, it was, you could tell he loved Michael Jackson. Yeah. And there were comedians who did Michael Jackson jokes, but you could tell. No, you could tell Michael that Jackson. Chris, and yeah, because every time Chris was on the scene, he would reference Michael. Even if he didn't say his name, like the body language. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Even Friday, I was watching Friday not long ago. And, you know, when he takes a hit of the joint. There's a moment he tick, you know, he sticks his his uh his leg up and he does this move. That's totally a Michael reference, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so like. And then they got to hang out and be friends. Yeah, and, so and be friends and be re- and he, right. And so I think you're absolutely right with Prince. If he knew you were sincere, he appreciated you. It's like okay, you cool. And I think it's the same thing with Michael because you have people like Cat Williams who. 100% attacked Michael Jackson. Attacked yeah. him like a whole 20 I, that minutes. Was, yeah, that about was how Michael Jackson was. It doesn't, so and it's weird. funny because there's certain things. There's certain. I was watching the stand-up. It wasn't the full special, but it was a clip for Cat Williams, and he can be really funny at times. So I was enjoying it, but then there's this other part of me that's like, man, get out of here. Because I remember when I first saw that. That was one of the first videos I saw on YouTube because they that was around it was around 2006, seven when YouTube started. But I remember that that was one of the first long videos I saw, and I just was so angry because he was attacking Michael mm-hmm. for reasons just unbeknownst to me. I couldn't understand what his justification was because a lot of all of what he was saying was just bullying and untrue and just falsified, and he was making it seem as if Michael had this ill intent and you can see he was coming from a place of misunderstanding like not knowing and mm-hmm. i know michael while watching that was like man he... and even he we should also <laughs> yeah he probably broke a wall but we should we gotta we can't mention chris tucker and without mentioning steve harvey and michael jackson briefly because oh, steve man. harvey now i gotta i can go on and on but i do not care for steve harvey on so many levels no. I like so many levels. I don't care for him. Like I can't even, I can go on and on why I don't care for him, but, and I am not going to do that because it's not relevant to what I'm going to say about him right now, which is that he did have a funny skit and I can see Michael dying laughing at this. Cause he even admitted to it when the, you know, black people, if they were on the Titanic boat and <laughs> like when they would get on that log or that chest and they would take the napkin and whew, like that whole breakdown of that it was really funny I, mm-hmm. I thought it was funny for whatever reason and michael thought it was hilarious and michael and steve harvey actually hung out a couple of times there's he i think steve harvey was genuine in some areas with michael but mm-hmm. i still think his whole practice or the way he goes about his business is very shady and completely 
Yeah. I mean, there's so many late. Like I said, there are, I can we can do a whole dissertation about Steve Harvey. <laughs> but um, do you remember that clip that I'm talking about? No, the Titanic. No, I remember when he was talking about hanging out with Michael. He took Michael to his church, mm-hmm. and he was like, "There's a clip of him. He got right. giraffe. He, he got he got giraffe money." Like the skit wasn't even that funny, but he was one of the few comedians to sincerely defend Michael. He did, and I think Michael appreciates that. Yeah. Well, there's. I'm gonna have to send you that clip because this is when he's. It's an interview, and Michael is telling Steve Harvey about the skit, and I remember seeing the skit, laughing. That's what made it even funnier because it hadn't been a long time since I've seen that that stand-up special. But I remember seeing that and laughing. And so when Michael calls Stevie or when he's on the phone with him, he's like, oh, I remember you did this skit about black people. And, that. and he was he had this. Cr- <laughs> <You're so funny. laughs> he was like really, really laughing, you know, like he thought it was just oh, really wow. funny. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if he respected the intent, I think no one will really have a problem with it. It's just when you're being, for instance, if you're being like Cat Williams, if you're being like Jay Leno, if you're being like. Wow. I mean, there was a time, especially during the trial, and oh man, they just dogged Michael for no reason. And then this was a distraction for the war, I think. And, you know, the, I was getting ready to talk about the Dave Chappelle skit where he talks about that. Right. And he's he like, every time they go and bomb someplace, what they do, and they, they, they're like, yeah, they call them up, they're like, Michael, we need you to touch kids again because we're going to start a war. Yeah, because we're about like, to right. Exactly. <laughs> Now, if that's not a satire, Yo, I can see that like, true. Can... Yeah, because Every Michael, he like was that. an easy target though, because right. again, you see him, you know, he's doing all these things, and and then there's a lot of people who are seeing it, and they are flocking to it, so they're using it as a, as a blow up. They just blow that shit up, so that it's like, oh, Michael is just look at him, look what he's doing now. He's going out with his pajamas on. He has, you know, whatever it was, the wigs, the but it became too, it was too much, I think, because again, some of it was just, un, it's like, what, like, why you, and he, he knew this in the 90s, I mean, why you want to trip on me, he could have performed that song to the end of his life, because they were yes. still tripping off of him. So I want to segue into the covers for a little bit, but I think the greatest parody that Prince ever did, I'm going to always advocate for this, and the same with Michael, and we talked about this. Face down. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. It was one of the greatest comedic skits of Prince ever. Yeah. Just the song, everything about the song, the music video, and I, I think Leave Me Alone was, I wouldn't say it was as brilliant of a comedic moment as Face it was Down. It pretty brilliant. But, yeah. Oh, it's my, fa- it's my favorite short film from Michael. Yeah, probably mine too. It was kind and it of took a, so many to people me, to do it too. Jeez. Yeah. Well, to me, Leave Me Alone was more of a, a wink and a nudge. And like, see, <laughs> like he had a sense of humor about yeah. himself. Face Down was an outright attack on people, but with a massive sense of humor. It was a big joke. Yeah. And he, but Prince is really good also at his, the covers like are just his approach to when people are critical against himself. But you're right. If you haven't seen Face Down, you guys have to watch it because it's hilarious it's true in a lot of areas, you know, he's like, you know, you see the white guy at the funeral, he represents obviously Warner Brothers and he's like screaming at him and 
you know, he's doing all this stuff in, in Princess. You know, he's he's like, bury me, kiss my ass. <laughs> it's so clever. Like, and there's a story, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but Morris Hayes actually inspired that. Yes. Yeah. He was like, right. he said, man, bury him, let him kiss your ass. And he just started laughing like, OK, I have to make a song out of this. And it's clever. And I wish Michael worked on it because it's coming from the same uh-huh. angle, you know, like, yeah, um, he's it's just a dog, you know, like. It's probably one of those songs. And but then he has a song called P-Funk. I always that's, that's one of my favorites of, of recent. That came out like 2007. That was in response to the fans. And it's a cool it's like the best response you can think of. For me, it was because everyone wanted that, you know, because people weren't complaining. I mean, again, I wasn't a fan around this time, so I don't know how the atmosphere was completely. But apparently people were complaining about Prince because people didn't really sure. like what he was doing. It was like, oh, you know, and then he was suing people, taking take my song off. You cannot have this 15 second, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so the org was going off and oh, why didn't they create the website? Like, oh, you, you know, Prince, you got to take it easy. You're so serious. So he does a song called P-Funk. And it's literally... The best thing a Prince fan, or at least I remember hearing it, like just being mine, and I still like it because he's doing these guitar solos, he playing the bass, he playing the drums, he giving you the funk. You you might not like what is he saying that he said you might not like the taste, but I'ma still stick your face in this funk. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know, and he talks about the only reason you say my name is to get your 15 seconds of fame. And then he at the end he's like, I love y'all, but don't ever mess with me no more. <laughs> uh-huh. see see yeah. and that reminds me speaking of that last night we were talking about um george clinton and yes homie i, I love george clinton this, Good so it's that same thing where prince came from the legacy of george clinton in that way of of utilizing language as a, not only a way to tell stories and do social commentary but do parodies of himself in that way, but doing it in language people people have to figure out what he's talking about. PE Squad is my favorite. Oh my god! <laughs> so we have a uh, Funkin' Tulane. I can't ever pronounce that. That's my favorite Parliament song, and they're both social commentary. But you have PE Squad was not only a social social political commentary, but it was talking about how funk is still the gateway to freeing your mind because the disco era was coming up and they had all these anti-disco songs because the Europeans started to appropriate disco and so the funk was leaving out of it and so they were like bam like we ain't doing it we be the funk we gonna bring the funk to you we're gonna continue to bring the funk so it was excellent and just having the love song in the back where uh Gary Schroeder was singing to his wife, they co-wrote the song, and then you have talking about like scatological stuff up front. Right, with George yeah. It's I know, brilliant. it's just, just brilliant. Absolutely That's, brilliant. I, yesterday, when I tell you just to break away for a bit, I was completely. I don't know what made me listen to George Clinton. I just went on title, and it was a playlist of his greatest hits. And when I tell you, it was just life-changing it felt life-changing because i heard so much i knew i mean i always knew i mean one of my favorite george clinton parliament albums is free your mind and your ass a follow or even maggie brain of course but just listening to the production like his mind his mind is what's most fascinating to me because he has such a great i mean it just made me 
I've, it's like finding your people when you just find the people who just they just know where you coming from because you're the, you're kind of on that same wavelength. So like mm-hmm. when I heard do fries come with that shake, that's like <laughs> the perfect example. Like that's I love metaphors like that, you know, and just how he was going about it and just oh you look love you look marvelous, you know, just hearing stuff. It's like wow, you're just and I can I just heard Prince because Prince obviously he actually inducted. Well, he was one yes. to inducted Pete Funk. Uh, yeah, he inducted Pete Funk, and I can see like you can't hear. There would be no Camille or you know all of these names that Prince came up with if it wasn't for George Clinton, because those like the way he used his distortion of his vocals. You like think of Housequake or Bob George or just these alternate, <laughs> you know, pitches that he would play around with. George Clinton was like a master at that like a master at like creating these worlds, these utopian funk, freedom fighting, conscious, you know, symbol, symbolic symbiosis, so much going on. Like in one song, he's just grooving. Like I was dancing the whole time. I had to get up from my computer. I was writing. I was like, all right, I'm gonna just put in my headphones and just start dancing. Cause I, I couldn't do anything. Else. I was just dancing around cause it was so funky and it's just, yeah, appreciate it. But yeah, it's, it's really, really nice seeing think- that came from that and also with the voice modulation cannot leave stevie wonder out of that <laughs> oh yeah it's easy it you listen to talking book uh, talking book prince, yeah yeah prince probably played that till the record broke i think oh i'm totally sure <laughs> i think the there were several records on his playlist they're like i'm gonna play this forever yeah, yeah. <laughs> did he ever I remember him covering Stevie Wonder songs with Stevie Maybe on stage. Maybe Wait, they did that? Well, oh, you took or him and the both together? Of them? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Oh, oh yeah. Maybe your baby definitely on like Prince. Yeah. Yeah, but the only song that I recall <laughs> they did together. Now they did see Prince and Stevie. You know when he, when Prince had those uh, parties, the uh, right, okay, walk, the thirty-one, twenty-one. So they performed a lot then, and none of that has been out yet. I'm sure they're recording. Hopefully that can just come out. So I've seen see videos of that era. Yeah, I've seen some clips. Shaka Khan was there. Right. Yeah. Uh, they definitely do. They they definitely did superstition. I know they did that. One yes, there, right? I've seen that. Yeah. Um, and there are probably a couple. Yeah. I mean, Stevie has a lot of songs, and there have been plenty of moments oh. that. <laughs> Yeah, but they did. Uh, I they definitely did in terms of an official recording. They did. So what the fuss with Envy? Yes, I love that. That's so that was the official official recording. Prince Bobby, yeah. <laughs> and then you know they also did their first because Stevie wanted to record it a lot of conversation piece at Paisley Park, and oh that's, yeah. And they did Cold Chill. There's a remix of Prince. I believe he's on the guitar on that one. Cold Chill. On a remix? Yeah, there's a remix where it's it's he's playing the electric really? guitar on it. Yeah, it was released as a part of a collection. What? I gotta chill. Oh. Send that to you. It's pretty nice. On a cold chill on a summer, on a summer day, day. Never, never thought I'd feel that way. way. <laughs> I was feeling so trusted. <laughs> Down, down to the ground Then she did me wrong On a summer night Yeah, I, I've worn that album out It's one of my favorite Stevie Wonder albums Oddly enough That's a really it's, good album Yeah, it, 
when I first heard it, it just, yeah, I've always loved just the production. Rain on me, I love, you know, and then you got Anita mm-hmm. Baker with Sensuous Whisper. It's Oh, that's my favorite song in there, probably, I have to say. It's got my body yeah, out. He that. was, Stevie was like, that album, you really hear Stevie getting sexual. He's like, he don't have no problem saying Well, like, that's not, I mean, there's plenty of albums. I know, that, right, I know, I know. But there are a lot, but it surprised me for the, some reason right. when I heard something where he would say, you know, like, uh, what's the song where he, he's basically saying, like, uh, what's, oh, I could go on and on. It's Stevie Wonder. Whew. Hey, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna call it. Our our next episode is on Stevie Wonder. I'm calling Let's it. Let's do that. We're gonna have to break away from Michael and Prince because we've been talking about them, but we gotta see. And talking about Michael and Prince, you gotta talk about the people that definitely came yeah. in and changed yeah. their song. Yeah. And Stevie yeah. is yeah. We that's that's. Let's do that. Next podcast will be about Stevie Wonder. This there podcast. There it is. <laughs> hopefully you guys laughed with us and you found some of those hilarious moments that they both had I mean Prince and Michael were funny in different ways but I think the both of them in terms of people talking about them or referencing them and their jokes they definitely respected it if it was coming from a good place so you think of Chris Tucker yes you think that's cool you think Jamie Foxx that's cool but you know you couldn't you couldn't be coming out with something to make them look bad or if you're just downright insulting, it's not a joke. It ain't funny. At that point, it's not funny. You know, it's just you just. Even if, even if you came with something like, "Ooh, what's up with that?" And if, if the punchline is not on, then throw it away. That's. Throw it away. <laughs> it has to be a punchline. It's like line. again, yeah, like the, again, am I black or white? If it was just that running theme, oh, I'm weird or whatever, it wouldn't have worked. The punchline, that's what made the whole thing work. So. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And for even sure. the Charlie Murphy is the whole punchline. It's like, oh, here's this dude that's feminine, isn't it? Like, if he just ran with that, it wouldn't work. But the fact that he beat them at basketball, a dude assumed to be feminine, that that's you gotta have a punchline that like that to make it work. And the fact sure. that that was true, are you kidding me? And then yeah. Nikki Free, like that's not a what? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. The fact it's that like, he... Nikki Free beat me at basketball too. <laughs> yeah. So you gotta have that punchline to seal the deal. That's the whole mic drop thing. You yes. gotta have that to yes. make it work for Prince and Michael. I cannot think of a lot of songs that Michael covered. He didn't cover. Oh, uh, he didn't. He did smile. He did. Uh, well, technically, you could say Jack the Five. They did it. Uh, one verse of Killing Me Softly. They did uh, one verse of Let It Be. It's a Jack the Five. But for Michael as a solo artist, mm-hmm. he didn't do a lot of covers. Come together. Uh, right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it's kind of funny he didn't do a lot of covers. But Prince was doing them all over. What's your favorite Prince cover? I don't remember if we discussed Ah, oh. <laughs> uh, I would still say, and I know you don't like this one because we talked about it the last, but Betcha Golly Wow. Oh yeah, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, and you know, and I didn't <laughs> listen to, and he has, he doesn't do many covers, but I can tell you the ones I don't mind it. I mean, I'm the type again. It depends on the mood, and I'm associating Betcha Golly Wild as one of my favorites because I love the video, and there's something about the song that puts me in a place that feels familiar, and it just makes me smile, and it's just sweet and sentimental. But he didn't 
Um, I don't, I don't even, you know, you know, I'm weird on covers in general, unless I heard, if I discovered the song through a cover, then that probably, it becomes my favorite because that's my first experience, which that's mm-hmm. not always, well, I guess it's neither here or there, but yeah, because I can't think of any other covers that he did that's like, oh, wow, this is, I don't really care for, I can't make you love me because I heard that one, the original first. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I think his cover of that is okay, but nobody. It's not bad. It's no, not bad, but it's right. No like, one's. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. This covers he actually. Oh, Crimson and Clover too is a really good cover of his. Yeah, that's I one of my favorites. Really, I, don't, I don't like that song, so I'm like. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, he did all right for what it is. But I'm like. Mm. Okay, guess what my favorite Prince cover is. Uh. It should be easy, but it's probably not. Give me a year. Just <laughs> um, too many songs. All right, Aaron. Lots of years. Lots of years. Lots of years. A case of you? Ooh, that's a good one though. That that's definitely in that's my top five. That's a good one. Too. That's one of my favorites too. That's not my favorite. I don't know then. Not a fan. One more guess. One more guess. Okay. <laughs> now I'm thinking of the songs he covered. Which wasn't many. See, you think it too hard. You think it too hard. I know. Is it just like, did he do it in the 80s, 90s? When um, will we be paid? That's a good one too, but it's not. It's not okay, what one. is it then? Stratus. Come on. Ah, come on, you dumbass. <laughs> Sorry. I should have known. That's what I said. That's I said you should favorite. know it. I should have like, known. And you know what? That's one of my favorites too. And Prince. I think Prince really loved that. That's probably one of his favorite songs ever. He covered it all the time. I all think it was. the time. He's been covering that song since 2004. Right. Like every year since then, he did it. And I'm glad that I seen the last time he performed this song in Paisley Park. And that was the last oh, guitar solo. It's on YouTube, though. You know that, right? At Paisley Park? No, I didn't know that. It's called, he, well, you know what he named it? He called it what? Laughing Stallions. And then when you see the video, you'll be able to see. I'm going to have to send you that. that. I was at that show. It was November 7, 2015. And that was the last time he did that song. And it's amazing. Oh. It is amazing. I'll send it to you. So don't forget. Do you know if he ever performed that with Billy Cobham? I don't think he did. What? But I'm. Well, actually, he could have. Maybe when he went to Montreal in 2007. That's a possibility. Oh, how could he not perform? If he never performed that with Billy Cobham, I'm going to be He upset. probably jammed with him with it, too. Oh. Because you can't... Like, Prince had to have done, gotten together with him and do that song. Because that, that's literally probably Prince's favorite song. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really crazy. I remember... Just this year, I was early this year, I was like, let me listen to, uh, it took me that long to finally listen to Billy's version, but I heard oh. his whole album and it really got, this was like early in the year too, so I really got a good taste of what he was about and, you know, it's like, wow, he must have really loved this song though, because he played it so much. <laughs> Billy Cobham, it's my favorite drummers are Art Blakey, Billy Cobham, and Sheila E. So, <laughs> well, that's a good combination. I've seen him cover a Max Roach. Like, I love, but those are my top three. And whenever the first time, because it was one of the Montreal performances, and I'm watching yeah. it, and I'm like, wait, I wait, love wait, that. That's wait, my is favorite he, verse. Is he 2009 Montreal. 
So I had John Blackwell going crazy on the drums. Right. Woo! I just about screamed because I was like, wait, he's performing Billy. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, all these other performances I'm seeing him. So he had to, at some point, had Billy Cobham there. That would make no sense not to. And Billy Cobham's still going. He's in his 70s, I think. (laughs) He's still going. He's still touring. So to not have them in the same room and at least do that song or some other song would make no sense to me. Oh, but that is my favorite Prince cover. Yes. (laughs) KCU is, I'm going to say, probably in the top three. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Another one. I think Emancipation was the album where he did the most covers on it, but that album had 60 songs on it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Completely. It was like half the the album was covers. I'm like, what's up with that? (laughs) (laughs) But what? He was like, oh, I wanted to. He said, like he said in Emancipation, baby girl, every now and then, the words of another seems to work there's so many countless ways to express the love i have for you but every now and then the words of another works out just fine <laughs> we did um what's that song that uh radio has song um creep and, yeah that's good too. yeah it was like a huge because he actually tried to sue somebody for putting yeah. up the song and i'm like I remember uh, that. you, you were like they was like um it's our song i know the guy right. who actually who um posted that he he actually is a guitar player oh. he plays a guitar really good oh and wow. he was oh. yeah and he was telling me he said it was like the biggest haha yet honoring feeling because again right. imagine being told hey take this video down it's like but it's not your song <laughs> 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 yeah you played it but it's they don't work like i love that he kind of got upstaged with it because it's deep it probably just forced him to realize well i guess it's a good cover anyway why am i tripping i mean yeah it was good it was good and the thing about when he does rock covers he puts the funk in it he puts his foot in it so it's always going to be better i don't like the radiohead song i'm just like this song is boring but when prince did it i was like all right i get it all right all right right. the foo fighter song what's the one Um, best of you yeah so when okay whenever I hear that song, it sounds like a deodorant commercial. <laughs> like the original wow. song sounds like a deodorant commercial to me. I don't know why. I don't it's even like, think I've heard you. Gillette or, you know, yeah, it's not, I don't But Prince did it, I was like, okay, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> they didn't even know he was I doing it. That's, what's so fun. that's the, that's oh, the funny real? contradiction about Prince because... He had a thing for not no one covering anything of his. Right. But if he wanted to do it, and here's another, we can probably end it on this. If you guys didn't know this, Prince, you know, in 2013, he did a cover of The Sweetest She Is, okay, from the um the Soul Children. There was an interview not long afterwards because I remember he posted a live stream or something anyway. And the guy who interviewed them said, hey, you know, Prince is doing a cover of that song. How do you feel about that? And he was like, you didn't ask us. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I wish he would stop doing it. You didn't ask us or something. And I just was like, ah, that's funny, because Prince, he didn't want no one doing his music, but if he could do it, he just did it. Yeah. It kind of shows. And that's the biggest comedy, isn't it? <laughs> is it? That's the biggest comedy. I know. It's like, hey, how that work? 
if you don't want nobody covering your art, you can't have nobody. You can't cover nobody either. Mm-hmm. Contradiction. No, no. Wait, 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 the the best cover while my guitar gently weeps. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love that one too. Uh, you need to step back and just let me do my thing. Okay, thank you. And just walk through the guitar and like, walked away. Like, hey. yo. Everybody's like, oh. And then people said, oh, I didn't know he was a guitarist. I was like, uh. Uh, uh did you watch Purple Rain? You think he was air guitar? Right. Even if you only heard Purple Rain in your whole life, you would know he was a guitarist. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, my other my other favorite cover, SST. <laughs> Take out the Sade, the sweetest taboo. Sade, the sweetest taboo. It also stands for sea surface temperature. <laughs> yes, it does. I love that but, song. I yeah, that's that song. that's one of my beautiful. It's one of my favorites too because I not only because I'm from New Orleans, but because brand new Orleans, like that groove that he gets into mm-hmm. is so right. good. It is so the drums, the the way he loops the drums and that that and then like he goes on every instrument of course he's on the piano he's on the bass guitar he's on the guitar and it's, you know it's it's oh it's a groove it's such a sweet groove they, just like the uh, song <laughs> Sade never did any songs with Prince did they nope what is going on first what you, you mean was going on you know he wasn't Prince was not gonna do that. What? Wait, first too much you don't get Charlie on stage Anderson. with Billy Cobham, and then you don't, dude. What are you doing? That okay? We gonna end on that. I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you got any last words? <laughs> Thank you guys for listening, and let us know if you laughed along with us, and stay on board for when we talk about the. Maybe we can do like a series where when we do Stevie Wonder um, next episode. And then who knows what I'll lead into. But, you know, when I think of Stevie, you think of other people that kind of were a part of the web of inspiration for both of Michael and Prince. Uh, Stevie definitely was one of them. So stay I'm going to say that. this. If it wasn't for Donnie Hathaway, you wouldn't have the Stevie Wonder we came to know and love. Yes, Stevie Wonder. And I could definitely say this for the next episode, but I'm probably not going to remember this. <laughs> So you had Stevie Wonder when he was 12 and, you know, the jazz soul of little Stevie and all that. But Donnie Hathaway really challenged Stevie to get it together and make the music we came to know and love him for doing. So you have Donnie Hathaway, Stevie Wonder. Then you have the Gap Band, which is definitely vocally inspired by Stevie Wonder. You have the Gap Band. Then you have Aaron Hall. Uh-oh. who was inspired by the Gap Band, or Charlie Wilson specifically. And then you have R. Kelly. Uh-huh. I can't believe I said that. But anyway, I'm just stating a fact. So what I think. Facts, so R. Kelly, if you didn't have uh, Aaron Hall or Teddy Riley, you wouldn't have R. Kelly. It's going, all ah! the way up. Right. It's all the way up, though. That's just yeah. what, it, it's what it is, regardless. True. So on that note, yes, <laughs> we're gonna have Stevie Wonder next time. So stay tuned, and we're stay going tuned, to explore everybody. his albums and talk about the the socio political implications of his life and music and all that. We're gonna That'll get into it just one. like do. 
Yes, it's gonna be fun. I hate it. Oh, I'm a school. I was about to say something, but I'm gonna wait till next time. I'm not gonna. Yes. I will wait till next time. Y'all have a wonderful day, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.